Good afternoon, it's 12 p.m. and that means it's time for the MoneyWeb at Midday Show. I'm Warren Thompson, coming up on the show today in the wake of the revelations from KPMG yesterday. We speak to uh, we speak to the head of cyber regarding, uh, that's uh, Nicholas van Veek, the CEO of the South African Institute of Business Accountants, uh, regarding whether or not he thinks South Africa's accounting profession is in a crisis. And then following that, we talked to uh, Simon Brown, the founder of Just One Lap, regarding some of the market news that sees Anglo Gold Ashanti CEO Venkat announcing his resignation to join Vedanta Resources. That'll be one of the talking points with Simon just a little uh, in just a few minutes. But just remember that this show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. MoneyWeb has a unique opportunity for financial advisors. Through our Click and Advisor offering, advisors can interact with a growing investor-based audience and attract new clients. To find out more, visit www.moneyweb.co.za. Right, following the revelations yesterday at a press conference I uh, attended in which KPMG South Africa admitted that two of its senior partners uh, had misled them with respect to their relationship with VBS Mutual Bank. As it turned out, the partners uh, and certainly the partner that signed off on the uh, financial annual financial statements for VBS as recently as March last year was in fact uh, receiving loans from the bank and that uh, he in turn dis- uh, attempted to conceal or hide the fact uh, when KPMG uh, questioned him about it. We have, uh, we must be clear, we have not had the opportunity to put these accusations to either Mr. Malaba or Mr. Schumer. We are sourcing their contact details uh, at the moment and we'll give them the right of reply if they so choose. But uh, just to discuss this, obviously uh, a firm that's uh, still reeling from uh, uh, the allegations made it uh, that it made uh, artificially authored a report that sought to discredit certain executives uh, of the South African Revenue Service as well as undertaking work for uh, the Guptas in which uh, one of the companies they audited appeared to pay for the uh, uh, Gupta wedding in 2013 with uh, proceeds from the Estina Dairy Farm. I'm joined now by Nicholas van Veek, the CEO of a, the Southern Southern African Institute of Business Accountants. He joins me on the telephone now. Good to speak to you, Nicholas. Good day. Thanks for inviting me. Just give us, uh, before we get going, a little bit of an overview around your mandate and your organization. The Southern African Institute of Business Accountants is the third largest accountancy body in South Africa. It's established in 1987. There's about 10 professional accounting bodies um, from SICA, SIPA, SIPA and, and ACCA and SEMA. So we're a well-represented uh, sector. And um, there's a number of regulators within the profession, number one of which is the IRBA, the, the board for auditors. And uh, the DTI and National Treasury has also an oversight function uh, over these 10 bodies, as well as the South African Qualifications Authority. So it's a, it's a well-regulated and, and well-monitored, uh, or so we thought, uh, profession. And um, a few years back, South Africa were number one uh, when it came to the implementation and adoption of auditing and accounting standards. But since all these scandals broke, starting with KPMG and, and primarily focused within the big four sector, uh, serious questions are being asked. 
Well, I'd beg to differ with you on just the big four there. I know some of the work MoneyWeb's been doing around uh, some of the smaller corporate scandals that we've seen in the last few years have involved some of the smaller accountants. Why, why Nicholas, were we rated so highly? Uh, we were always eager in South Africa to adopt uh, international standards. Um, and then we were subject to World Bank scrutiny, um, as well as scrutiny by the... Um, um, some other finance sectors, and then based on that review, uh, we got a rating, and then we were rated number one. Okay, so uh, where and which? Just just for clarity, which survey was that? The World Bank uh, every five years does an does an assessment of a country's compliance with international standards, um, and then also the, um, the World Economic Forum uh, does an assessment. Okay, so uh, and where have we? Uh, how have we rated recently? Uh, are we still rated uh, number one, or uh, has that changed? No, we dropped like a stone. No, that, that's changed. I, I think I, I think we barely get to number ten. So um, it's been a shock to the system, uh, but also a wake-up call for the profession. Okay, so the question I guess now is: uh, Given we had African Bank that was audited by Deloitte. That that failed essentially. That was a bank failure. We have Steinoff, where at least Deloitte is involved uh, at some level. Uh, we're still unpacking and, and yeah. trying to understand just exactly uh, what Deloitte was auditing, as well as uh, some of these other auditors overseas. Uh, and then we've we've obviously had uh, all the issues around KPMG. Uh, is it, do you think that the auditing profession is in a crisis, or the auditing industry is in a crisis in South Africa? And if so, why? Yeah, definitely, I think so. Um, the reason boils down to um, uh, 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 interest in either being an auditing firm, where you wear a compliance hat, and we are obligated to act uh, in the best interest of the public, uh, reporting uh, to the, stake, the shareholders and stakeholders on the conduct of directors, and then uh, in, um, your the firm's need for growth with regard advisory services. So the problem stems from that. There's a, uh, we need to break that cycle between the, an auditing firm also providing advisory work, and it's much more than just rotation, and it's much more than just um, um, separating the, the, the partners. Uh, there's too much at stake here. Now we've all seen it. The proof is in the pudding. It's for all to see it on all the papers today. So I think it's a mute point even to argue that that shouldn't happen. I've also noted that in the UK, there's been some talk of uh, breaking up the big four, which I think is something we need to consider locally, especially if you consider empowerment. Um, the, the big forms are very much dominant in the industry, um, and there are just four of them. Um, specialists move across from one firm to the, uh, to the other. So it's a difficult market to enter. So there's a number of things that we need to address urgently, which I support the IRBA in, in their quest. Um, so enforcing uh, separation of functions, uh, removing uh, firms from also doing uh, advisory and auditing work, because that's a big, big issue. And then if you look at the, the entry for into the audit profession, there's always just been one professional body having access to that sector, which is problematic in itself. Uh, and there's also obviously it needs to go to university level. 
and considering how we are currently structuring and educating our our accountants and auditors. The Audit and Advisory issue is a movie that some of us in the market uh, have seen before. Uh, I think if I if I recall correctly, in the build up to Worldcom, uh, Worldcom and Enron, and I think uh, there was uh, Tyco as well. The issue around providing audit and advisory services to the same company, and the way I understand mm. it is that audit is very uh, a fairly commoditized product in that uh, you can't really charge more than than a competitor uh, with respect to audit. It's almost like a, a, not quite a loss maker, but it's certainly not as profitable uh, and lucrative as some of the advisory work that the companies can get involved in. Uh, and I understood that the the auditing profession at the time looked at that and, and understood the importance of the separation. So are you saying that this has, has, has deteriorated again where we're going to go through the same thing we did towards the end of the last century uh, with some of these massive corporate failures in the United States where we're now going to go back to the auditors and say, okay, guys, no more advisory work because it seems to be uh, conf- conflictive uh, regardless of the way in which uh, it's managed or or structured within an org- organization. Uh, you, we, we literally got to draw a line in the sand and say, it says that if KPMG, for instance, audits uh, a bank, uh, none of its subsidiaries can provide uh, advisory or any other corporate finance work to those organizations. Exactly. So there should be no linkage. There should be absolute breakage. Uh, in our profession, we the, one of the foundations on which we operate is independence of mind and independence of appearance. Um, we, the profession largely has to self-assess whether they are independent or not. So what, what seems to be the case now and something that we would clearly support is a total, not, we can't leave it to the auditors to decide whether they're independent or not. Uh, and that, that boils down to even uh, deciding who appoints auditors. Some research has been done uh, at the University of Pretoria by Professor Dieter Kluck uh, and a colleague of his arguing for that the, the government should allocate and appoint auditors. Uh, and in that way, there's not lobbying for work and uh, you get much more independence and, and a different approach. So we have to break the cycle between uh, compliance and business. You can't have that in one firm. That's causing the problem. And it, it, I just want to also discuss how the profession is structured. It's highly monopolized. Um, and, in, and in what sense? In what sense, Nicholas? In, in access to market, in, in large dominant firms, pushing out any other competitors, as well as in the, how their profession is educated and trained. Um, yeah, there's, there's 10 professional accounting bodies, and there's, there's different ways that you can um, educate accountants. So clearly it's the education that's also a problem. Uh, yes, uh, okay, I take, I take your point on that. Uh, just coming back to the idea, just to kind of finish off here because I'm, uh, I'm mindful of time. Uh, mandatory audit rotation, what is your opinion on that? That was something that was being advocated by the previous finance minister uh, and certainly from where I yeah. sit, I, I agreed with it on, at, at some level, yeah. uh, perhaps after a couple of years. But what do you think about that? No, we totally support it. I think they should, in, they should bring that deadline forward. Uh, they don't need to wait for it. And this thing about, now you need specialist knowledge to go and audit. There's different ways in which to get specialist knowledge. You don't get it from providing first consulting work and then you audit your own consulting work, even if it's a few years later. So, um, no, uh, the, the profession should be broken up totally. The, 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 these firms should specialize in auditing. You'll get a better result. 
the fruits of our efforts over the last years is for everybody to see. It, it's a mute, mood point. So different audit rotation, breaking up of auditing firms, um, and creating specializations, and, and there's, a, there's an added benefit, and then we'll be able to allow more competitors into the profession. Uh, for example, one of the, the biggest uh, auditing body in the world, ACCA, it's one of our sister bodies, they allowed to audit in the UK uh, and in Europe, but not in South Africa. Why is that? So this thing about not enough competition is is uh, it's been it's a synthetic creation of our own regulatory setup, and in that sense, the IRBA also needs to have some introspection and see why is it that there's only one professional body currently allowed, uh, whose members are currently allowed to do audits. The, the IRBA looks a bit toothless from where I sit. Uh, just say again. The the Urba Urba looks completely toothless from where I sit with with regards to That's sanctions. That's a big problem in the UK. Yeah, it's ridiculous. If you look at the financial reporting council in the UK, they can issue much bigger penalties. Uh, the auditing firms are, are required to publish their results, uh, and we're only starting to talk about that now. It's ridiculous. So we have a, a good example from overseas. Why don't we following it? There is best practice. We don't have to figure this up ourselves. Well, maybe if some of the people that uh, that are in charge, perhaps at National Treasury, certainly in government, uh, Urba itself, and uh, and other bodies related to this, as well as certainly people like the JSC, whose investors rely on these audited statements, are listening. Absolutely. Uh, perhaps this is uh, now the other thing is that Urba has been has forever been underfunded, uh, which which directly goes to National Treasury. There's no reason for it. Uh, they must up the funding set up better structures and have that organization run itself as it should be. Because you can't ask them to do things and then tie their hands behind their back. That's not acceptable. Uh, that is certainly one of the valid issues around uh, Urba as well. Uh, just the idea of finding an, uh, an accountant to 100,000 rand uh, when he earns perhaps uh, five or six million rand a year <laughs> just doesn't seem exactly. to be stiff enough. Nicholas, always good, uh, well, very good chatting to you for the first time. And obviously, uh, I hope, uh, you know, this uh, robust level of debate and, and introspection takes place across the industry. Yeah, no, it must be totally transparent. Then uh, everybody should get access. I think government gave us all an example when they reviewed the Life Academy Hospital. So what we're seeking is a similar uh, introspection. So they make public and open discussion, and we should really look at our profession because clearly the way we've been doing it isn't working. Uh, it appears so. That was Nicolas van Weyck, CEO of the South Southern South African Institute of Business Accountants. All right, time to have a quick look at the markets. And obviously, uh, the big news out of Anglo Gold Ashanti today, it's uh, CEO Venkat will be resigning effective uh, end of August uh, and moving to a new position as Chief Executive Officer of Vedanta Resources. Uh, he had been with uh, Anglo Gold for, for quite some time. We tried to get in touch with him. Unfortunately, he was not available. But uh, let's see if he will chat to us later uh, later this week. In the meantime, the JC All Share Index is so-so, uh, roughly one-tenth of a percentage stronger uh, at 56,645 points. Uh, and it's a bit of a mixed bag in terms of the different uh, sectors there. Industrials up half a percent, uh, whereas gold mining down over 1%, resources marginally weaker as are financials. In terms of value traded on the bourse, um, British American Tobacco just trails uh, NASPERS at the moment. And then the Fashini Group, 
Uh, also one of the most traded shares on the bourse today. It's quite interesting to see uh, that re- retailer up there. In terms of currencies, not a great day for the Rand. Uh, it's lost... Uh, uh, it's marginally weaker against the US dollar at 12 rand 6 cents against the pound. Uh, it's three quarters of a percentage weaker at 17 rand 26 and against the euro uh, almost half a percentage weaker at 14 rand 92. Uh, just to talk uh, through the markets today is Simon Brown, uh, the founder of Just One Lap. He joins me on the phone now. Simon, how are you today? Well, an afternoon. Very good yourself. Uh, just give us your thoughts. You look at a lot of financials on the JSC. Uh, you know, from an investor's perspective, do you think uh, we have a problem with what, what's being audited at the moment? I, I think we do. Uh, yeah, and it's just all the noise around it and the problems. Um, and and I mean, we've seen this before. We can go back to Arthur Anderson and Enron at the turn of the century. Um, and I think, and, and as, as, as per your, inter- your previous interview, what the industry needs is some very swift, very sharp action. Um, otherwise, it can get very messy very quickly. I'm just not sure that we're going to see that swift and sharp action. I think it's going to be slow. I think, as you said, there's a lot of toothless bodies involved in the process. Um, and I think it's of concern, not just for the, obviously, the focus on the auditing profession, but more broadly in terms of, you know, we're, we're investing into companies that have been audited by these companies. And if, and if, if we can't trust them, then that really leaves us in, in, in a whole heap of trouble. Just, uh, yeah, very interesting, and I'm sure I think there's more coming with respect to VBS uh, and and um, perhaps uh, some other auditors. Uh, let's just have a look at the market. I, I suppose the big news today was the resignation of Venkat from Anglo Gold Ashanti. I see the share price is down 2.7%. Uh, he, what do you think? Uh, you think that's justified that he's going to be a loss to the company? I think he is a loss to the company. I mean, and, and, and you know, it was, it was an odd uh, uh, announcement back in the day, about five years ago it was, um, him being an accountant rather than a miner. Um, but certainly he, he's done a lot, which, you know, if, if we look at, at, at the, the, the uh, all in sustaining costs uh, being improved, uh, we've seen just general costs being, being, redu- being reduced. But there was a lot about him the market didn't like. He cleared vast amount of debt that the company had, and, and you know, the market wasn't particularly thrilled with that. Um, tried to split the company in half with a, a South Africa and non-SA assets and ultimately had to back off on that. And we've got the share trading uh, around 112 rand today, uh, down 2%, as you said. When he took over, it was trading at around 150-odd. It had been to 320 in, in, in mid-2016, um, but the market certainly hasn't marked him very well. And I think it's quite telling that he's he's moving to, to a competitor. No, not directly, he's moving to a diversified he's, leaving a gold miner, but typically CEOs kind of exit and they might pop up somewhere down the line. But this is, you know, pretty much the seat will be warm and, and, and he'll be sitting in a new seat. Yeah, and that will be Vendanta, uh, the uh, diversified miner, as I understand it, listed on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, what happens now? What do you think Anglo Gold needs in terms of a chief executive? As you pointed out, uh, Venkat was uh, a, a qualified accountant and he, he did tighten the belt. He was forced to tighten the belt quite severely uh, at Anglo Gold, but he did panel beat that uh, balance sheet back into shape. What do you think the company needs moving forward? That's a great point. He has put that balance sheet. It's a significantly improved balance sheet. Let's ignore the share price. The balance sheet is much, much better. Um, I think a good old-fashioned miner, someone who you know, comes to work in the morning in boots, and I'm not 
in any way disparaging Venkat. He did a great job. Um, somebody who comes in, in in sort of like you know dusky mining boots in the morning. Someone who 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 can can look at the company, the assets they've got, uh, which to get rid of. And it's I don't think it's the case of Venkat couldn't do it, but the market likes it. And look at uh, uh, Mark Tufani uh, at at Anglo American. Certainly the markets like his style a, a fair bit. Um, and I think they're probably going to go and find a and maybe internally we've got a a bunch of, 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 of qualified locally within South Africa. Perhaps they will look beyond the borders of the country. Um, but I think, you know, we can debate the accountant good or bad, but the market certainly, I think, would, would, would prefer to have miners running mining companies. Uh, that's run us into trouble before, so that's not perfect. But that's my sense of where they're going to go. All right, great. It's always good chatting, Simon, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Absolute pleasure. That was Simon Brown, the founder of Just One Lap. Remember that the show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Numerology studies tell us that numbers have symbolic meaning. Number eight stands for success, four is stability, and three represents advantage. These qualities, over and above trust, ethics, and leadership, are embraced by CASA, the leading accounting, auditing, and tax business designation underpinned by ethical standards, delivering responsible business leadership to take your business to number one. Because business is more than just numbers. CASA, leaders in business. And that brings us to the end of another MoneyWeb at Midday show. Of course, uh, our business shows get going at 6 p.m. in Afrikaans and English, respectively. Be sure to tune into those. Otherwise, I'll be back at the same time tomorrow. Cheers for now. 